0: hey everyone welcome to this week's episode of please blow my mind well i say this week but it's like weeks go by and i guess that's just a reflection of what's up in my world busy busy uh good busy and i guess um yeah, let's hold on that point for a second. We've got the busyness, we've got the stress, and this podcast is a bit of a, a bit of an exploration into that. So, just to give you a bit of feedback on, or not really a feedback, an update on where I'm at. Uh, currently studying, um, and that's a weird thing to say because I'm 40 years old and I'm studying and I've got family and bills and those things don't always line up but we push forward anyway and um, what I wanted to share in this podcast is uh, a presentation that I gave to um, my study group my class that I'm in so I won't go into too much detail but uh, Professor Grant Schofield is a big influence on my um, journey into study and just my journey in general I think uh, he's awesome actually and he's been a big staple in my podcasting journey as well Um, kind of sharing his story and being open to kind of not settling for the standard and pushing you know as I say that that the journey out um, exploring yeah so so this presentation is on stress and this is one that I recorded as I gave it to the class and had to research it and I think it's really interesting we talk about acute and chronic stress which is as you will hear uh, quite similar but the differences are where the kind of gains and losses are made so hope you enjoy this um thanks again to everyone who supports on patreon uh probably you're all sticking in there because i'm not producing as much content as i once did but hopefully the content is awesome and you're enjoying it and uh yeah if you want to support me on patreon patreon patreon.com forward slash please blow my mind and with all that said let's uh let's kick into this podcast with um me And you talking about stress and acute stress and the dangers of chronic stress. Before I start... um... I named it Let's Talk About Stress but I was almost called it Let's Talk About Stress Baby, you know like a salt and pepper yeah. but then I realized I'm 40 and everyone else is probably going to laugh at me. So I was going to try and dig myself a hole Let's Talk About Stress Baby and then relate salt and pepper to like opposites like yin and yang and that is like the parasympathetic parasymp- and sympathetic nervous system and I'm happy I've said that and I haven't not got that in my Thanks Grant, I'm really just talking to you. Okay, I'll um, kick off here. So yeah, what is stress? I think um, this presentation or this exploration and it truly is an exploration, I'm on a journey and uh, there's plenty of holes in my thinking which is why I'm here with everyone else to try and um, fill those gaps and learn more. But effectively, A big thing that I've analysed is that we're really awesome at telling us why we're not happy or you know that you're stressed but no one bothers to kind of break it down so I guess right at the top uh, you'll hear a lot of these two categories acute stress and chronic stress and I'll hopefully um, do a mixture of trying to explain to you what uh, kind of is in everyday terms but also between Grant and I we can um, dive a bit more deeper into you know the the, the medical terms. So, just in a side note, um, before we get into my two little diagrams here, I have a particular interest in kind of Pacific Island uh, breathing techniques, some um, Cook Island and Kiwis. So you know when the world says western culture is uh, making us sad I'm like uh, well there's plenty of good things to celebrate that but also on the pacific side they've got a raft of problems too that's not always talked about so I find myself in the middle trying to explore what does it mean and one of the things I'm keen to do with my research with Grant is like let's take these breathing techniques that most of us wouldn't think about Maori pacific breathing techniques if we think about breathing techniques it's maybe through a Um, A yoga lens or something that comes from the east but I'm confident that we closer to home Uh, we have our breathing techniques which prepared us for stress and so i probably won't go too much into that but we'll dive a little bit into that at the end I looked up the word for stress in Cook Island and I couldn't find one which I thought was an interesting thing because they haven't dared name something as something like stress like you can put it into one name the word I found was Which was closest maybe was um, this word mataku taku and um, as you can see here it's not just one but it's many it's a state of worry anxiety fear apprehension and trepidation so I thought that was interesting because that's a pretty good analysis of stress and uh, it's definitely more than one thing acute stress okay so that's I want you to think about stress and I'm trying to think about stress as it's not a good or bad thing it's a it's a it's like everything else there's a balance here Um, and even in this little diagram you know it's like a yin and yang balance so acute stress like a new challenge like a short term stress right, that we can that we can deal with something that we can feel good at the end because we've completed it and if you see the examples on the left an athletic competition a presentation maybe like an acute stress like I'm in now trying to uh, swim a little bit, uh, lifting heavy weights, intermittent fasting, uh, running your sprints. You know, these are designed to be activated and turned off. And um, I think the point here that I've explored and um, I've had plenty of chats with Grant and stuff about is that it's crucial. It's actually crucial for mental and physical well-being. And I'll go a little bit into um, why that is.
1: Yes, and all those well, we talk about all of those is providing a um, the, the sort of yes. physiological word there's a hormetic response. Absolutely, that there's an adaptation to that.
0: Yep, no, um, and we'll kind of dive into that. That third layer that Grant has just um, uh, talked about homeostasis which is well what are you if you're not stressed Um, and I don't mean just how you feel how your body might be able to be measured Uh, you might be in like a a homeostasis or homeostatic um, zone Uh, so just a side note before we carry on This chap here, uh, it's always someone old school who did something, this endocrinologist Hans Selye, he, um, if you google stress, you you start coming up with a, um, this chap pops up, but he's kind of well known for this thing called general adaption syndrome and um, yeah, what I thought was interesting and probably it's only interesting because I don't really know uh, academia that well yet, but he wasn't even looking for stress, he was looking for something else. And it just happened that one of the tests that he did um, as you can see here uh, found out that stimulated something else and yeah I'm happy to provide this and we can have a little read through but the point was is the quote that I liked I wanted to share in the next slide is that we all have stress and only the dead have no stress so that's kind of a good reminder that you know we're under the pump and um, it's not all all bad.
1: Well I mean and it's easier to think about that in other ways it's like, like there's stress that you don't even know about right so yeah absolutely gra- there's stress from gravity <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> you know, and like, if you take away that stress from gravity and you can do that by going out into space um, then you basically unadapt to the point where you can't cope with gravity Yeah. the you actual you know have a period of time where you You've lost bone mass and muscle mass and you may not even get it back. I
0: don't and yeah, I think, yeah, they don't you know, put cardio things in space anymore. They give them like simulated weights, right? Because it's not enough. You have to push against something.
1: Yeah, right. So, yeah. but but the same is true for, you know, the, the human condition is one where we move around every day. We have these periods of, of non-food availability, the stress mm. that that provokes, mm. uh, the stress that eating, some foods products which is actually useful. So so for example, there's the idea that that you know one of the major vegetable uh, benefits is that, that the phytochemicals and vegetables are actually slightly toxic. Uh, and so there's a stress to this every cell in the body from eating you know, vegetables and probably raw vegetables better maybe. Um and that maintains the resiliency of those cells. Hmm. Uh, and if you had those things in even higher quantities, it actually might be toxic. Um, same is true for exercise, small amounts, good. Large amount, maybe not, you can't adapt to it. Hmm. And, and just also on your point of, on scientists discovering stuff that they weren't even expecting to look for, I mean that's just typical isn't it, so you know, you, you know, expect that in your own studies, you go out looking for one thing and you find something that you didn't even know about it's
0: mm-hmm. cool mm-hmm. um, So just that general adaption syndrome uh, I th- thought the little slide on the left was quite interesting, so uh, they start outlining kind of like this three stage process, you know that rule of threes uh, seems to keep coming up everywhere you Look, um, just probably another little caveat. There's a rule of threes that uh, like SAS or you know high-level uh, people that have to do extremely hard jobs go by, and that their rule of three is uh, uh, three weeks without food, three days without water, and three minutes without air. And so I'll loop back around to air at the end, but there is this kind of three, there's always like threes or whatever that, that means. So uh, the first stage is like the alarm stage or you know the observation. That hey, something's not right here, and there's this cascade of events that um, happens. Um, and in this kind of um, GAS uh, framework, that stage uh, prepares the body for the fight or flight response. Then you go into it, the stage of resistance, right? So, the um, and uh, yeah, I'll show you a diagram later, but it talks through this idea that. You have to go to a stage of exhaustion and then there's this negative feedback loop that happens that puts you back into a kind of calm state so um probably don't want to spend too much time on this i just thought it's interesting that we're into 2021 yet this random dude discovered this kind of conversation in 1936 i mean it's not cool and
1: and depending on the discipline it's a pretty It's a pretty normal thing, like an exercise, this is a thing. Absolutely. Um, And mental health is not a thing.
0: Um, So this is the kind of stages, and Grant mentioned homeostasis before, so I think it's nicely uh, just diagrammed here, you know, just a flat state, then even in and out. Um, And you might imagine the alarm stage, you know, someone swerves in traffic or, you know, um, the internet's not working, something to kind of start triggering you, then you go through this resistance stage or like an area to try and solve it right and then the exhaustion stage which you might um i I guess i don't quite know what that means but i thought you can only go for so long and then something else has to take over um, which might just be kind of reverting back to okay we've given the short-term fight or flight here Uh, but let me move on and we'll kind of revisit this so we'll just spend a couple minutes like in this homeostasis it's something that i hadn't really thought about i thought of and and kind of um, looked into a lot around um, i guess parasympathetic or sympathetic and you know trying to learn you know the fight or flight or fight or flee hey just as a like a little um, question to everyone out in our group we all know fight or flight or fight or flee does anyone know the opposite and digest yeah awesome and i think that's um cool because i not it normally takes um you know people i've asked a few seconds to be like yeah what is that so just the fact that we're able to kind of trigger um the fight flight fear um right off the cuff you know rest and digest or rest and repair it's its called as well which I think is um, you know pretty revealing if you actually listen to those names so um, as you can see here homeostasis is the ability to maintain a relatively stable internal state um, I take these things really literally when I read them and try and understand them found this little diagram here just right too cold too hot and um, actually that's physically you can measure that with your temperature Um, and I'll kind of go into a little bit more uh, going down into the presentation that you know you can actively get yourself out of this homeostasis like um, purposefully put an acute stress in that explores those you know the ice bath is one of those the sauna is one of those and everything I relayed earlier with um, you know going to the gym and all that good stuff um, yeah and then there's a few examples I built an ice bath and I started throwing my friends in it including myself you'll see a little bit of tape on two of those pictures um, won't spam everyone too much but been exploring um, helping people sleep better by having this tape that goes around the mouth called Myo Tape, and um, just started selling that so yeah more work to be done there but the idea is we're mouth breathing all night and it's bad news for a number of reasons but we'll stick to this so the chronic stress this is the one where you know I don't know it's probably not academic writing but lingers around like a bad smell is how I think about it you know you can't kind of get rid of it um, and so what is it you know it's what's those things that just you can't overcome you know you've actually got to change the, the drive to work the annoying boss the bad work schedule difficult spouse poor sleeping habits negative friends you know you're you're kind of trapped in this environment environment and there's, th-
1: there's actually an interesting one with their driving to work i, I you really put that on top of the list because I, I, I hadn't realised this that people who commute in their cars the time of the day that their that whole stress axis is the most activated is when they're driving and it, it makes some sense it's like actually a fairly dangerous activity right
0: absolutely I, I
1: always <laughs> look at people coming the other way and go you're about a metre and a half away from killing me
0: yeah. watch it from the sky tower next time you're there and watch the cars almost hit each other all day yeah, right. <laughs> It's uh, yeah uh, and and um, uh, so we're definitely aware of the risk and the stress and uh, maybe I should spend a bit of time as well that we call it stress but I've looked in some of the psychological literature and it's all framed up as a stressor right there's stresses, and so all of these things are stresses. but depending if you can kind of overcome it quickly or within a certain period of time that that's how I would take the read is that the chronic stress is like I've got on the rights telling you something's wrong that you can't the your system can't kind of overcome it's hanging around and um, the scary bit as we see towards the end and that we've already seen in Olivia's presentation it's like the negative long-term health effects are just super bad news Um, Yep, so, I just yeah, so,
1: w- so back to Olivia's one, I guess the point is you're getting you know, this chronic stress and, and connecting the biology with her thing the problem is with that is that you're getting this, um, this glutamate constantly produced yeah. um, and then it gets, and then it dumps down the receptor so it gets overproduced even more then it starts flooding out into the general um, cytoplasm and uh, becomes excitotoxic, which causes more neurons to die and therefore reduce, r- r- release more glutamate. So, so you very quickly go, once you get into this chronic stress state, you very quickly go into a state that, that is a downward spiral. Mm. Um, and it, I think why Will's work is so important in this is that this that yes, diet, Uh, particularly is highly remedial and actually highly preventative as well it's not you're not going to eat your way out of uh, chronic stress on your, just with diet, you're going to actually have to do something it's it's highly useful Um, and might be a cause of the problem in the first place but there's likely to be other issues here Hmm. that need resolving as well is that fair work?
0: Oh absolutely and one thing I keep thinking is there's no magic bullet there might be three or four things that are attacking you at the same time so we've talked about you know um, the whole GABA thing and um, glutamate but I've been kind of looking at what happens when you have elevated cortisol levels which I'll get into the kind of top-down effect of being in chronic stress so imagine having what Grant's talking about and high cortisol levels which means it's turning off your reproductive system, or at least dampening it so it can focus on getting you out of fight or flight, and it's attacking your digestive system. So, you know, I've been reading things about leaky gut, and you know, it's like, yeah that's the thing right what are we going to do about it so hopefully towards the end um, we can start thinking about some ways to at least try and identify the acute stress the chronic stress that's a that's a good one to do and then what you may be able to do i mean i'm partly here because of an annoying boss and that was a damn chronic stress and it sucked because i had to prove myself every day that you know something like um This is a good and acute stress, I just don't know. I'm not a good academic yet, but it's an acute stress that I can influence, you know? So that's my mindset, it's not a chronic stress because I can can get better at it. Where the annoying boss or something else, it's like an attack on something deeper, which is hard to get out of. Okay, so sorry, I'm getting back into too much podcasty stuff. So acute stress versus chronic stress. Uh, um, I'll leave it up for a little bit, but essentially, uh, and grant ten meter shreds if you see anything wrong here, but uh, I'll just kind of highlight the points. Basically, everything starts constricting when you get into these stressful zones. So they're quite similar actually in some ways, but it's the differences that are the the scary bits. Um, so just quickly, if you kind of go into that fight or flight zone, you've identified. Um, the stressor your blood vessels will start constricting and you can kind of feel it you know you're tensing up your vision constricts um, so you have less peripheral vision everything's prepare, uh, preparing just to focus on the most immediate danger and that's awesome until it's all day like that, you know you need your peripheral vision maybe more than you think when you're driving um, but uh, yeah and the opposites also um, fair where when you're starting to head and transition back towards that homeostatic um, mindset or being or zone you know you want your blood vessels to die you want your vision to uh, widen Um, you know you want to be able to breathe slower but still get the same um would you call it like oxygen gas exchange and we can kind of go into that because when you breathe deeper um, you know you're using less I think it's using less is how I'm thinking about it at the moment Uh, using a lot of resource when you're deeply focusing on something and even just uh, sitting down to read a research paper you know you we all probably recognize how that feels so just flipping over to the chronic stress much the same but the biomechanics um, uh, I've started thinking about this kind of negative hacking uh, on our adrenal glands. I will go into a couple of these things I'm just skipping over. But, um, you know, starting to get into this higher elevated cortisol level more often. Obviously the higher blood pressure we've learned is just bad news. Um, One of the things I have tried to, maybe I'll ask you just a question as we go, Grant, like the blood pressure is kind of contrary to the uh, the blood vessels constricting that's actually widening isn't it that's why you're getting higher blood pressure
1: no you're just getting higher blood pressure because yeah you are getting constricting because you want to get
0: Force more blood. Right. Okay, cool.
1: It's so a high heart rate
0: is going to push it up. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so, again, that deactivation of other systems, like you really need to have a, that ho- in homeostasis, that digestive system, the reproductive system, it's doing its things. You know, I've started trying to understand that um, just like you don't, you're not, you're not trying to be in a homeostatic. You it's just like happiness; it just happens when it's when you can. <laughs> so, um, to get there, you know, y- you need to be um, more calm. And in a chronic stress, you're less calm, you're less rested, you're probably having poor sleep, um, and then it starts to get into that really crazy stuff. The chronic stress leads to depression, anxiety, heart disease, high blood pressure, um, abnormal heart rhythms, heart attacks, and stroke. I mean, they're top ten. The things are all kind of freaked. Out. Out about so the fact that you can isolate the chronic stress and work on it I think is a, a roadmap in some ways um, yeah so again just the top-down feedback loop I, I'm rushing over it but we can all kind of talk about it a bit more but What happens when you turn the stress on? Kind of going back to that um, GAS example, you observe or feel a stressor. Um, Some of the stuff I've read was very clear that it doesn't matter if it's a real or, uh, sorry, a physical or or psychological stress, it's still a stressor. It's still classified as a stressor. Um, And I guess going a bit deeper now, the hypothalamus, which is, around where you see the green arrow. Um, this controls the release of hormones to the pituitary gland and that's kind of down where the blue arrow starts so I don't know, can you all see me? Am I I on screen for you? So I started, I looked at a few examples like this, I'm a visual person so you know you can do a lot with your hands and stuff but uh, I started looking that if I put my hand in that kind of zone to remember it this is to remember it and imagine that was the brain that the hypothalamus Might be my thumbnail, and then down to my wrist, the pituitary gland. And this is all of those things are the top down effect, right? The dominoes. So, as you can see here, the pituitary gland releases hormones that talk to the adrenal glands, right? So, it zips right down to our kidneys at the top of our kidneys, our adrenal glands, and then that's the one we know, the adrenaline, and that charges us up to make that quick fight or flee decision. And it's supposed to be that uh, there's a negative feedback loop that kicks in um, to activate the parasympathetic or calm nervous system to take us back to the homeostasis. And then uh, what have I got here? But if we can't turn stress off, we see that one too, which when I first looked at it, I was like, that's exactly the same. But there are some key differences, and I'm hoping Grant might be able to help me break these down. I didn't like seeing this brain damage thing over here, but this seems to be something where um, you see the introduction of uh, adrenaline and cortisol, and you know, inflammatory. That's what keeps coming up. Yeah.
1: yeah so chronic stress is inflammatory. Chronic stress has numerous pathways for damaging your brain. Um, The, the, tr- the trouble is that you get acute str- acute stress actually makes your brain stronger <laughs> so we don't expose our say, young people to much acute stress so they don't get that benefit then we expose them to chronic stress which gives them which weakens the whole structure so you've got you know, every which way you look uh, particularly our young people um, you don't get, don't get the sort of natural biology of, of repeated um acute stress and therefore benefiting you know getting too hot getting too cold getting um having to to, you know run from here to there having to eat foods that stimulate the system to push stress on it to 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 you know getting having to having to you know run away from someone quickly Mm. um you know sort out a few wild animals that that doesn't happen so you don't get any benefit from that but you get all this chronic stress um and, and yeah,
0: the brain's just damaged in a story. Uh, and I mean, probably just speculating, but if you don't have enough chronic stress sorry if you don't have enough ac- acute stress your immune system is kind of not really worked out just like how you go to the gym if you just if it's your job to lift a chronic amount of weight you're just you know going to end up in bad news so um, yeah and, and it's actually this really helped me I haven't spent much time with everyone um, here but I'm a real big fan of obviously the um, slow nasal breathing but also trying to do that in stressful environments like the sauna and an ice bath and to lots of people like you're mad why are you going in ice bath and i haven't really had a good answer apart from wim Hof does it <laughs> until no, so i've started it's learning an this it's an acute stress that's right that's right it's it's a
1: and humans don't get enough acute stress yes. there would have been another time in human history that adding an ice bath onto your already the number of acute stresses that wasn't going to help you yeah
0: yeah yeah so you
1: didn't need to do it yes so, yes or you may not have benefited from it should i say that's right and
0: um, and to be fair if you're Really anxious or in a bad um, f- um, mental or physical state, uh, just jumping in an ice bath probably wouldn't be good for you. But if you practice being calm in it, then there's this kind of stress buffering um, effect, which, um, yeah, I think is not what I'll focus on here. But I really was happy to find these, you know, the immune cells, when you look at the normal stress response, that actually that's how. How we're keeping ourselves um yeah i uh, grant you talked about fasting too as an awesome acute stress yeah
1: so yeah. there's another problem for our young people is that they don't never fast yeah that's right. i just was thinking is it
0: something to do with um, a controlled acute stress that you're in control of correct therefore you can learn the responses or your body can do the responses to fasting Ice baths, yeah. um, stuff like that. So yeah. Then you can yeah. With yeah. Well, if you because jump if you're in, out of control
1: of it, 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 it you, you'd you'd s- run, spiral. Yeah, it'll run the risk of it going out of control, correct?
0: It just, you just think of someone who falls into ice water like it's and none of that is good <laughs> you know especially if you go and you just full fight or flight but i guess that's the difference if you were to control go in, um you, you you're weirdly in control of it and fighting against that um all of that uh adrenaline yeah so yeah i just look i'm kind of um, my ones a heap shorter hopefully there's a bit of time for discussion but these were the main ones that i thought uh you know pretty bad you know we want cortisol of course that's helping us wake up in the morning but to have elevated levels of cortisol um so far what i've been learning about it is it's only got one job if you tell it to turn on during the day and that's to give your brain uh as much attention maybe grant can break that down i think
1: cortisol is from the first thing I said so cortisol is elevated usually for a normal well-functioning human um, goes up just when you wake up it really gets you awake and invigorated and moved on from that sleep state and then with a chronic and acute stress you know, which is going to last a few minutes to save your life you can sort of amplify that again Obviously, the problem if it's chronic, well, it's still high when you're going to sleep. So the exact thing that wakes you up is still high. Mm. So that's not going to end well, is it? Yeah. Um, so, so that's the problem with cortisol: is it, it needs to fluctuate uh, with the circadian rhythm as its main function. And so when you when you interfere with that by a bit of chronic stress, that's bad.
0: And I mean the other ones here are just um, obviously words on screen, and we've seen them. But uh, I just try and remind myself that less chronic stress, less of this stuff, especially like you uh, know. Uh, so
1: uh, migraines are interesting with that glutamate hypothesis that I meant to mention. That um, that that's really now the other prevailing um, view about migraines is just excess glutamate. Right. So. And dial that down so many ways, it's dietary ways, but the uh, yeah, the breathing and the... Mm. Just on that, Grant, is there a
0: way that you can increase the GABA um, in your brain rather than dialing down one? It's a bit like omega-6s and omega 3 isn't it? You can bring your 6s down and then you become more in a ratio. Can you do this by... Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah you, you sort of need them both to work together because, because you need glutamate to be in the yeah. right proportions like to in yeah. the right proportions, so they, they, they automatically one evens out, the other one evens okay. out. You can, be, well, yeah, there is a way you can you can have heaps of booze. Fermented <laughs> foods? No, booze. booze. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol, but that doesn't yeah. that has a, has other unintended consequences. I thought you might have been counting that as a permit. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, there are other ways that, that are interesting. Um, that. I don't really have any place in nutrition, but they're more pharmaceutical. So um one's this ketamine. So yeah. ketamine's Mum and Dad. Yeah, so ketamine ketamine brings glutamate right down and brings GABA. up. So you put people on ketamine. So ketamine's what they used. Uh remember those kids
0: in,
1: kids in Thailand that got well, it's often used as a pre-anesthetic, right? So you just get a bit. Like,
0: oh, yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, but, but those kids in Thailand, they got trapped in that cave. They had to drag them out yeah, yeah, underwater, and they didn't want them to freak out. They wanted to be like totally chilled. So they gave them ketamine. Um,
0: they give ketamine a lot.
1: Yeah, now ketamine's interesting for one reason, well, another reason, that people with untreatable major depression respond really well to it instantly Um, in in more subclinical doses which is an interesting thing Um, there's similar uh, but illegal pharmaceuticals that have a similar effect and act on other parts of the brain as well like uh, magic mushrooms and uh, MDMA and uh, which is the active immunity of those negative mushrooms, and various other LSD and other hallucinogenics taken subclinically actually seem to do the same thing. And, and all of those are actually, there's quite a bit of research in the U.S. about all of those things as um, feasible treatments for, for depression. Uh, certainly ketamine is used in chronic pain people who have chronic pain there's a, a, a portion of them who, who are put on ketamine for five days which is reasonably debilitating as you can imagine um, but it sorts their chronic pain out forever uh, no one knows why so, so the, those are all things that bring GABA way up um, but when GABA's way up you're pretty chilled you're not really up to much as, as the ketamine illustrates uh, Debbie okay so it's not a good solution then well it could be you know like it could be in some cases and I, I, I actually even think that uh, what's that? There's a pharmaceutical company we're we're Western Australia, Douglas Pharmaceuticals. They're actually doing quite a big trial on uh, ketamine at the moment. The trouble is, there's not that much money in it. I, I just thought it was something. There was something to do with epilepsy as well. Yes. And so there. yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, something because epilepsy is really a problem of excess glutamate often. Okay. So yeah, I'm just draw, I'm just sort of putting things
0: together in my brain, yeah. in my
1: own way. Yeah. Now, Um, this this whole glutamate way of thinking about things—it gives you, it makes you able to understand the nutrition stuff quite well. But um, also gives you, um, what I think, what's so frightfully interesting about it—it gives you an insight across a whole bunch of. Neuro psychological neurodegenerative neuropsychiatric conditions that you wouldn't have otherwise had so it's from migraines to epilepsy to to you know to parkinson's and ms to to, to uh alzheimer's to depression and anxiety to mm-hmm. uh, head trauma and traumatic brain injury you, you, you know, you're seeing some similar pathways but for very different reasons uh, which is is really interesting
0: well, end a little bit confusing because you see all these words keep popping up. So maybe like um, maybe I'll skip this one because I you know had a few final thoughts, but I wanted to just spend a couple minutes just talking about uh, where most of my um, Research and uh, interest is, which is how breathing can um, do more than just you know run an automatic. Um, so basically, if you you know, and it won't be a shock to um, everyone, but more than not, lots of people don't um, understand that you can obviously take over manual control of it and that if you breathe in a um, certain rhythms, you get um, different outcomes. And again, like that, uh, like these systems, so uh, I guess just to give give you, quick synopsis or quick overview Uh, you've got like uh, the tumo or the Wim Hof breathing which is really focusing on the air in and what happens when you take air in and just release the air Um, every time you breathe in you uh, expand your your chest cavity and make the heart slightly bigger lets a little bit more blood through um, and you know like we're reading and and feeling when we're stressed um, our blood our heart's going faster, um, our blood pressure's going up. So
1: what's the one half what does it look like?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well it's more on the inhale. <sighs> so hyperventilating. Um, the the book um, the monks I've seen stuff where they do this and they can keep themselves hot and warm, you know, even oh, so, so in the basically, cup. That, that's actually up the that, that's right, that's right. And so um, that's kind of celebrated in the modern world, you know, that's a very popular breathing technique. So the opposite to that is the literal, literal opposite. It's the slowing down of the breathing to somewhere in the rate of four to 10 breaths a minute. That's the the area that I'm uh, really interested in. Specifically around five breaths seems to be this kind of um, homeostatic uh, uh breathing through your nose that, right? that's right well yeah yeah I'm, I'm really focused on the nasal breathing um, for, well for a couple of reasons one because it's a filter two because it can warm or cool the air and three because you have a little bit of resistance when you're breathing through your nose because it's not as easy to get it in your mouth but you by default use more of your diaphragm which is a, um, a good thing
1: So, but everyone who's sitting here right now is mm-hmm. probably if they've got their plastic garment on or know that you
0: can see that you're breathing about 13 or 14 times a minute. Yeah and um, I've seen some studies where people are up to 18 to 20 so you know we're kind of in this mild form of fight or flight all day uh, so yeah if you're bringing that right down but but the kind of bit I wanted to end on is uh, one thing that was really annoying me about breathing is I'd keep hearing these things about uh, long exhales induce calm and I like everything I'm like why? Why? I, I didn't understand it so I'm kind of not really to share the stuff that I've been finding because I want to run it through Grant first but effectively it's around that diaphragm and it's interaction on the heart so breathing in diaphragm moves down heart gently expands lets more blood through breathe out diaphragm moves up gently squeezes the heart the heart starts uh, forcing more blood through the feedback loop happens to the brain to say slow down and so when you breathe in let's say five seconds in your nose and ten seconds out you are going to be manually overriding um, to lower your heart rate and like I've got here uh, you will have uh, um, you c- you're able to influence your autonomic system or to yeah, bring so, you
1: So, so uh, 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 as, we, as we sort of finish up I think the, the most interesting thing there Will is we talk about the autonomic nervous system, the automatic nervous system, we talk about this the, the sympathetic the fight or flight system, the parasympathetic rest and, and, and repair I should like better um, system and we think about it as it being out of our control, mm. but in actual fact, there's, there's some historical evidence, and we need, to, we need to get onto some more anthropologists about it as well, that humans have historically breathed much more through their nose and at a slower rate in normal life than modern humans do. Yep. So we seem to be breathing more through our mouth and more shallowly. And that is more of a hyperventilating type situation. And you you end up with um, getting rid of more CO2 and that that provides its own problems, but you basically end up putting yourself into a mild chronic stress situation by doing that. But the opposite is true. If you start to learn, because you have to learn it, um, to breathe more gently through your nose, close your mouth, uh, and do it at sort of five six presses a minute. It actually, comes relatively easy once you practice it. Well, and I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Uh, then you induce a, a, a rest and repair type situation. So uh, one of the keys we think to this mental health is actually deactivating that nervous system, and um, that that just seems to be a really interesting skill. Uh, uh, The other thing that we were talking about today in preparation for this, Will and I, was that that there's a really interesting nutrition thing here. So when you are resting and digesting, then your insulin and glucose response is more normal. When you are fighting or fighting, it's not normal. Now, you can do feeding studies and people have done these. So as simple as it sounds, taking three or four slow, deep nasal breaths before you eat your meal, There's a profound effect on the effects of that meal on your physiology. So we talk a lot about all the nutrients, Mm -hmm. um, but we're not talking about some of the things that affect how those nutrients affect our body, and and one of them is the the state our nervous systems are. Uh, And we assume it's automatic. Uh, yet it's actually under fairly easy voluntary control Uh, something which most people go through their whole life without ever thinking about, Mm. so we're just trying to start thinking about it a bit more, is that a good good summary of
0: that? Absolutely, I mean you know everything is quite compact in there and talking about the diaphragm's effect on the heart it also has effect on the digestive tract too so to, to, to basically when you're breathing shallow and in a fight-or-flight you're breathing upper chest and fast so, so it looks like you imagine it would <laughs> and that's like a horrible breathing technique if you want it for everything to connect so you know the full breath in your nose and feeling your tummy gently open and close you know that's a su- suggesting the diaphragm is moving up and down as it should and and that's doing so, more
1: so what's what's your suggestion for people now when they must be able to finish that they're going to have a little bit of chat they're going to go rest and they're going to go to bed mm. when they're lying getting to sleep what's your suggestion
0: how do you oh, well do, uh, take over manual mode but less than you think tape your mouth up before you go to sleep and you'll breathe through your nose no, no 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 that's look it sounds funny but it's more funny to sleep with your mouth open all night cuz you'll have, you'll be um you know inducing sleep apnea you'll probably snore um and that's outside of the weight conversation right but uh yeah just breathing through your nose will Breathe. Uh, will connect you to your diaphragm, and it's like it's pretty much okay, that. simple so you'll be
1: you'll be gently breathing in three or four. Counting one, two, three, four, five.
0: Uh, yeah. If you want to hold a, reverse, Right, right, yeah. right. But but that was the sleep example. So if you want to manually override and try and get out of that fight or flee, then just um, you know simply watching your clock, breathing in five seconds, breathing out five seconds. Do it through your nose. Put uh, um, if you have an oxygen oximeter, put it on, or um, take your blood pressure. You know five minutes of this type of breathing um, you'll definitely see a measurable result so yeah that and that will be where I go further down um, in this exploration is to to take it and say follow, yeah, let's follow this through and um, you'll see a measurable result which is slow your heart rate slow lower the blood pressure get yourself out of that fight or flight and then um, and yeah, be out of that chronic stress zone